Hello, data leaders. This is Laszlo Mucci from the Data Storytellers. And on the show, I have Shira Sagar. Hello, Shira. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Laszlo. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And I really look forward to this conversation. Uh, we spoke a few months ago, just touching base with you uh, with regards to our new initiative, our second season, so to say, and you shared some amazing insights. I wanted to just take the opportunity and shamelessly pick your brain about the industry trends and also what should uh, data professionals who are looking to transform their organizations focus on, you know, in the 21st century, us heading into the, the third decade of the century, mm-hmm. really. So uh, mm-hmm. first of all, Shira, for those audience members who don't know you, would you mind just giving a short introduction into uh, you know, your professional career, just a little bit of background to how you got into data and your role at the moment? Sure. So I currently am the Chief Data Officer for Latitude Financial Services. So for those of you who don't know who Latitude Financial are, it's like a non-banking financial company. We are massively in the space of lending, personal loans, uh, credit cards, sales financing, and stuff like that. So that's what that's who we are. And I take care of that data function at Latitude Financial. And before this, I've always been in the data space in different forms and different shapes. It was called different things back then, and now it's called data science. So that's what, that's what I do. Uh, technically, I'm a data person, but non-technically, I'm the lost and found guy in the business. Basically, anybody loses anything, I help find it using data. So that's what I do. So that's pretty much a good description of what I do for a living. And that's how I try to explain to my grandmother or somebody else who asks what I do for a living. I just find stuff for people. I just use uh, computers to find stuff. That's, that's pretty okay. much Okay. Uh, last time we spoke, um, it was actually really interesting to me as you described your role. So when you started the role... Um, I understand that you're the chief data officer, but um, uh, your role is not just owning the data. You basically, and I don't want to give away too much right away, but you said that you basically own the customer, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you told me something about your role in that sense. It's more holistic. Would you mind uh, talking about it a little bit? Like how did your role uh, kind of evolve maybe over the years or when you came into this role, uh, what were your responsibilities that you were tasked with? And then how did you approach really uh, taking that leadership position and, and getting some results for the business? Yeah, so more often than not, data is thought of as um, a, a technology, a technical role or a technology role. Uh, so if you think about it, it's of chief data officers are often people who come and build capability in the business where build data platforms or um, machine learning ecosystems or machine learning, stuff like that or analytical platforms. And I like to think that data is not just about building the chief data officer. So this role is not just about building capability, but also knowing how to deliver value on that capability. And the easiest and the most um, value you can deliver on is value for customers, understanding who they are, understanding what we can do for her and understanding why she behaves a particular way with you. And all of this is not going to happen with instinct. Um, you can make, for example, you can make uh, product decisions on instinct and understanding. You can make maybe financial decisions based on accounting, but you just cannot make customer decisions based on just under just uh, that or instinct. You need to have data to make smarter and better customer decisions as we have seen. And so it was a natural evolution for people taking care of data functions and specifically in my role to eventually evolve into understanding customers better and being that uh, voice of the customer literally in the business and saying, this is what she's doing. This is what she's asking. This is what we need to do for her. And that that's how it eventually evolves. And what we do is it also makes us, helps us figure out how we 
a track capture and understand data and so all of that's on the basis that we do everything for the customer so we track data from a customer point of view we understand systems and setups from a customer point of view and we build capabilities from a customer point of view and the beauty then is that everything else then takes care of itself so if a customer needs something then we do smarter ops if a customer needs something we do better merchandising if a customer needs something we do smarter marketing and then it becomes revolved around her and so that's that's how it is evolved for us and that's how it makes sense uh, in my mind to how this role needs to evolve eventually and not just be a technical role uh, and the reason i keep saying that is the massive commoditization of everything that's gone on in the techni- in the data world um, maybe 5 10 years ago you couldn't you couldn't create a database from scratch you probably needed really smart technical people to build a database set it up blah, blah, blah. now in 15 minutes anybody who has a one of those cloud accounts be it aws or gcp or azure can literally put the credit card on spin up an instance do everything so you don't need that you just need to now know what to do with it and the what is if customer is as much much smarter place to start hmm interesting so when you came into this role is this why they hired you or did you actually have to arrive look around and kind of find this role or did they hire you specifically to do exactly what you're doing now or did you have to do some groundwork some investigations and then basically evolve into that role it's eventually evolved into this role i in a different company in a different place i've done something similar where it started off as a data role and then eventually morphed into understanding the customer and so that was always the aspiration to do that but i think eventually it has evolved into this where we started with the data capability it's always an evolution uh, try to say yep we know we want to get there let's do this first and then eventually go to that go to where we need to go and so that's mm-hmm. how it's evolved mm-hmm. and, and what was your biggest challenge so uh, when you arrive into a role because I, it's always fascinating to me i like the sea level i like that you know data is is breaking into the sea level now and it's uh, gaining more and more importance in general in the business but what we find is that uh, a lot of times there's still not a good understanding of the potential mm-hmm. of data people still people understand that you know it's a trend uh, people on the board really like to buy into it and uh, a lot of times you get that executive buying that you're looking for and executive sponsorship but a lot of times people people don't really understand the real possibilities mm-hmm. in data the real potential in data and what they can actually do with it so when you came in into this role what were the biggest challenges for you so typically the challenge you're you're so right um there are a couple of challenges right the first challenge is you first have to convince people that it's the right thing to do and mm-hmm. sometimes you're lucky for example i was like i didn't have to do that everybody was convinced the board was convinced the executives were convinced that this is the right thing to do but even after that what happens is a lot of, a lot of the aspects of data are clear so people think data exists value comes out of it and that's not if that if things are that simple everybody would be delivering value because it's become that common what they don't understand is you need to do a lot of thing a lot of stuff behind the scenes like making sure the data is clean and accurate and reliable you have platforms to build machine learning you have um analytical platforms which which are not really old but state of the art but people can do smartest things with it and so there are a lot of back end stuff platforms work a lot of ops work a lot of that needs to happen for data to be useful and 
nobody is willing to invest in those capabilities people just directly want to go from you have data now deliver the final outcome for it and so the ask the understanding that the middle pieces need to happen the foundation needs to happen for you to build a fancy house i think that part is still missing um or the appreciation for that is still missing because people don't have the patience to lay the foundation so just like building any good house you or any good building you need a really good foundation for you to be able to build a beautiful house but people see a house on a catalog they like i want this house i see you have timber just build the house don't worry about the foundation we can worry about it later and a small cyclone comes or a small storm comes and the house flies away with the storm so that that analogy will really help you understand that uh foundation work is not attractive doesn't look like you're building a house it's a lot of digging and excavating and it's boring work and you can't see an outcome but until you do that it's not going to happen so that that friction still exists and trying to get that buy in and trying to get funding for it and trying to prove that is still a big challenge for mm, the team mm, no i see what you mean actually i will want to talk about uh, this whole idea about building the data driven organization like what does that actually mean how does that look like but you made an interesting point about okay people immediately want the results but they don't understand what needs to go into it first so maybe l- let's talk about a little bit about that house that they want about the outcome about the results that they want and then we can touch on also the foundations that need to be built and then we can look at more holistically at what this whole data drivenness is about but when you come into the organization what do people expect what do people want from you in this role what did they expect from you yeah so typically everyone ex- expects uh, now they've come to expect previously i think a few years ago everyone expects one thing which is i have access to data that's all they want which is i i want to make decisions and every time my team tells them they want to make a decision they don't have access to information so when they say that all they're saying is i want to see more dashboards and i recently spoke to somebody who's um, i can i can't i can't name who they are but they are they run a massive in, in specifically in the uk they run a, a massive startup in the uk and um they grew from 200 to 2000 really fast and there are a bunch of uh, developers who started it and it's a funny bit was they said when we were 200 people strong everybody thought we were a data driven organization because we have everything but now that we've had a lot of people come in everyone says you're not data driven because we don't have access to information and when i probed more and more i figured out that when the 200 people were there everybody could write code they could access the database directly they were given usernames and passwords etc but when 2000 people started coming in the expectation when people come from outside is there are a lot of dashboards people can see stuff and so that's the first expectation any role that i've taken and i'm like i will get that for you i understand your first touch point with data is the dashboard i'll get that what do you want and the next stuff now is personalization or customer intelligence as i like to call it so when i say anything smart for a customer is what we want to do so that's the second thing that everyone has started asking so when you started in this role when can we do personalization and so like i keep saying to be able to do personalization you first need to have data at a customer level that's really good you need to have a machine learning platform where you can deploy and experiment and solve personalization at scale and also so the capability to integrate that personalization either into an app or a website or an email or whatever is the platform and build all of those foundational capabilities before you can deliver a personalization a personalized experience to a customer so what people ask now is when can we have personalization can be in like next month or the month after or in three months what what does it look like and so that's the new thing that's been asked but the standard thing that everyone asks is oh you are the data guy or you are the data person when can we have access to data like the previous person or the previous role or the previous setup didn't give us that give us that so those are two things i constantly get asked and when i started a new role and then 
very rarely very very rarely some people are like i don't i don't care about having access to data i don't care about personalization because those are definitely not their mandates and these are mostly people who don't run customer facing functions or don't need access to data or already have it their challenges are the data quality is really bad fix it you are the greater person fix the data quality so that's mostly that mostly comes from cfos because they have already have access to all the financial accounting and they think the other numbers are all not good so it needs to be fixed or some other people so typically when you talk to cfos it's all about fix the data i don't care about anything else when you talk to anybody else be it marketing or um product or anybody else or tech it's like okay when can we deliver personalization and pretty much people who are out, outside all of that is just like i just want access to data so those are two to three things that typically get asked of people in this room i see i see so maybe let's just spend a little bit uh, a little bit of time on on these two because i hear this actually quite often right so when you come into an organization and uh, they tell you tell you that yeah i just want the information i want the dashboards i want the personalization what is your strategy here so because a lot of times i would imagine that you basically know better than they do you know what you can actually provide and uh, how you can actually help them right but what is your strategy here do you want to give them some quick wins do you want to uh, uh kind of start building trust by giving them what they are asking for or are you uh, uh starting to do more provocative type of selling by you know maybe uh, uh suggesting some things that they haven't even thought before so what is your strategy here when you're trying to establish a healthy long-term relationship with the key stakeholders yeah so i'll i'll talk to you from my experience let's let's talk to the first part the first part but as they give me more access to data uh, the interesting part that often happens is not that access doesn't exist or data doesn't exist there's probably i would not believe that any organization exists where dashboards don't exist or reports don't exist because people are building there they have teams for it it's a chal- it's an awareness or an education problem so in my first few weeks all i do is i first before i go and talk to the business i talk to the teams that run data beat my teams or other teams and i understand tell me everything that you have show me all the catalog of stuff that you have and then when i go talk to the business as i'm talking to them they're like we don't have it wait a minute and then i'm like this is what you want they're like yes exactly what i want it's already there mm. talk to this person so that already in that conversation is before i i prepare myself before i go talk to the leaders and i'm like i th- i heard this is what you want we already have it did you not know it so the last mile is challenge with data access often which is it exists or it is already there or it's a matter of like half an hour of building something and they can already have it and that immediately turns their thinking around mm-hmm. oh maybe it's not as difficult let's ask more and more and more important things of these people and not just say give me access to data so that's one thing i do the other thing i often also do is um in my experience of having built this over a long period of time i sense that when people say they want something they actually don't want that they want something else so they're like i just don't know for the really good example is i constantly ask what do you mean by you don't have access they're like i just don't understand how many customers we have or like so you, i ask them what is it that you want they're like i just want access to customer information so they don't know what it should look like they don't know what it means they don't know what it feels like they just know that they don't understand this customer so that's a very vague requirement to give to somebody who runs a reporting or a dashboarding team they want to understand customers it could mean a hundred things right so anybody who's seen a bi dashboard knows a million combinations can go there a zillion metrics can go there so i constantly build a same i have a framework of how to explain that to an end user where they can read it like a newspaper article so they can just go there every day and it will say the 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 like 
seven, eight things, and that's all they want. And it's very easy to build. And so then I work with them to build that a couple of those key artifacts out and send it out. And when they read it, they're like, this is exactly what I want. And I tried to convince them that's what they want to. So st building stuff like that, for example, that's just an example with customers. So, so one is showing, shining a light on things that are already there and two building things that they don't even know what they want, but they just very, have a very vague idea of what it should be. And so those two things really get them thinking that it is possible and it's no longer a, a, it doesn't have to be an argument or an issue or a friction point. It thinks are possible. And then we can start pushing them to say it's possible, but, and it's possible, but, and then we start having conversations about funding the team, funding those kind of activities and stuff like that. So that's something that I, on mm -hmm. that part, on the personalization part, um, again, like I keep saying, right, uh, you need to build a foundation to build personalization. But then what I also do is I try to take, um, I try to show them a cubby house, for example, let's talk, let's call it a small cubby house. So I built a small version of personalization. I've built so many personalizations in my past. So I said, I'll get it for you. We can do it on an email. It's really easy because in email integration is fastest and smartest way to do it. Small group of people build a personalized list look at only employees of the company. So all the employees can see it and then build an algorithm in like a matter of weeks, deliver it. And then when people see that it can happen and can happen in the business, they're like, we want to do this for our customers. And then we can say, yep, that's just a cubby house. We want to build a proper house. We need to do the right excavation and then it'll go over it. So that's, that's another way to Okay. So you actually uh, create the thing on a small scale to demonstrate mm -hmm. how it would work. So it's actually transparent and they can connect the dots and then you can actually give them the real thing. That's right. Okay, fantastic. So uh, uh, would you mind just spending a little bit of time on the tactical depth here, really just a few words, because I always like to ask this, uh, especially for uh, those listeners who already see the strategic validity of these ideas and they're just looking for some tools on how to make this happen. So when you actually arrive in the business and, and, and you say that, oh, I talk to these people, how do you do this? Because I know that there are different approaches to this. And now with you know more people working from home, now there are all kinds of online meetings, international organizations. Do you have any particular way of approaching the people that you're looking to talk to? Right. So uh, are you creating a list of the, the strategic partners that you want to build relationships with? Right. Do you have a particular approach to, you know, saying hi to someone, giving them a call, uh, 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 proposing a meeting like any uh, uh, any small tips that you have here would be very helpful. So I typically what I do is I first uh, speak to the person that I like speak to my boss and I understand from him or her who are the right people to talk to because they already have a good sense for who are the right people who probably have a lot of data needs, if you want to call it that, and who can make who are the key decision makers. So try to understand who these people are. And the first couple of weeks is just trying to talk to them. Once in the process of talking to them, what I do is I ask them a standard list of questions. Uh, everyone gets asked the exact same set of three, quest three or four questions. And I then ask them, who else should I be talking to? And so those people then say, you, this person from my team or this person from my adjacent team, you need to talk to them. And so I get a list of people. So those are the people I talk to in week three, four, and five. And then over the first three to five weeks, all I do in any role that I start is just talk to people. It does two things. One, it gives you a good sense for what is there and what is not there. Because if you just talk to your teams and you just go and say, I'm going to build all of this, it's probably not even going to be useful if the business is not going to use it. And two, people can see that there is a person who's trying to really try and trying to solve a problem for them and they'll be willing to be more open. And so the network effect there works really well. So that's what, what I do. So the way I start is, like you asked, I start with the key decision makers at 
my boss or key people in the business like the ceos identified and said these are all the 10 people they say these are the 10 people i want you to talk to don't worry about the others but that's not true and those 10 people will say these are the other five people you talk to and don't worry about the rest and the five people will say these are two so eventually you get to a level where you've spoken to all the key people who make decisions or who will have an effect on pushing people uh, to get on the data culture and then you'll get what you need and so you will also start seeing i try to document everything that i everyone i speak to and then you'll start see, hearing the same themes again and again and again and after a point you'll you'll not hear anything new and that's when you know you need to stop talking and start doing and so that's 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 when it, uh, that that you have the information that. no that's great and what kind of what are some of your favorite questions to ask when you're trying to build this map of needs and requests and pains and and desires when you're mapping out this network so I, my there's no secret to it it's just three standard questions the three standard questions are the past present and future past is how have we used data or how have we worked with my team or used data in this business what are all the things that you've done mm-hmm. uh, i i try to understand if people even use things that our teams build or use data at all that's one question two is what are you doing today that we can help you on or we should i should be focusing on as a leader for this team or our team should be helping you with and there's often one or two things that are happening in the business that everyone's really keen about and you can actually push it. so that's the present and future is if you had a way to solve for it what should we be changing both as a people as team as a structure and technology and so a combination of those three questions will give you everything you need to know and people will start thinking about it from that lens mm-hmm. um otherwise it will just be a session of just talking to people if you structure it like that you will always get themes on those three buckets and it's been really easy for you to come up with a, a plan of action for the first 90 days mm-hmm. and then how do you leverage this? so you so you ask these key questions and these common patterns will start to emerge and the cream will rise to the top right okay that like these are the things that we should do so what is your next step i guess now now you have an idea about the house that you want to build right because you asked the questions now uh, let's talk about the foundation so uh, and we don't need to spend too much time here because we like to mainly focus on the communications aspect and the soft skills and storytelling stuff right but uh, uh, just an insight into the leadership part of this whole thing because then you have a team right and now you have a vision and you as the leader now you have the vision of what you guys want to do so what happens usually like what is your approach of okay now we need to get some work done in order to deliver something right uh, 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 to the uh, to the people that you want to provide value to so uh, what are usually uh, the foundations what kind of work are we talking about here when you're laying the foundations so foundation is fixing up say your data infrastructure is a really good example right so if you have multiple data instances of your multiple databases and multiple data infrastructure you need to figure out what is the right platform what is the right data infrastructure be it a data storage and compute platform you need to have the right data um, orchestration platform be it A, a platform of the shelf or an open source platform have the right visualization tool not multiple tools but just one tool so people you can then start correlating people to that one tool or have read one analytical workbench so everybody can come and access it and not have to worry about doing it in a million ad hoc ways and also getting people starting to think like developers and not like um wild west analysts and so the difference is the mindset is typically in a smaller company people have access to everything so they just do whatever they want mm. they just cannot replicate it the next time you ask them the same question they don't know how they even did the first time so that a bit of a good practice around how you do that problem and how do you get a developer mindset not do the extreme developer 
mindset but in a way where everything is washing controlled and done the proper way and stuff like that so a combination of all these four to five things are the right foundational blocks to build and once you build it it's really easy to then quickly build on top uh, if you have the right infrastructure and the right tools and the right culture then it's really easy to say okay now we have to build this big, big thing as long as you follow these three patterns we're going to build it and you can build as tall as we want and don't worry about it so that's 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 how i think about it Mm-hmm. And uh, what and, are some of, some of the usual challenges during this phase uh, uh, for you? So one is definitely funding. Right? Why do you want to build an infrastructure right now? We have all the data we need. Why can't we mm-hmm. just get the output? Uh, that's that's one from the business. Funding is a challenge. Or two, um, simplification is a bigger challenge. We already have sixteen different things. Why do you want to combine them? It's going to be really hard. Let's not do that. Let's just leave it as it is. And status quo is good. Let's not touch it. That's the other challenge. Uh, inertia. and the last challenge often is um change in mindset for people who are doing the problem right so there are people who are used to solving problems been recognized in the business for doing what they do really well and now you're coming in and telling them all of what you do is great but we might have to think up think of it from a developer mindset or the right mindset and they're like no nope, that's not for us we are not we're not software engineers we're not going to do that this is not for us and so trying to get them on the journey is the bigger challenge so those two or three examples again so one for each of them is probably one of the challenges mm-hmm. so and, and these are very very common and i know that different people have uh, different ways of handling this now here i'm actually not really looking for a uh, uh, tactical depth but what is your approach so when when you're getting pushback from the organization about funding for example right so uh, uh, how do you how do you tackle that uh how do you approach solving that problem i guess that now we're talking about maybe telling a story about uh about the reality of the situation or maybe painting a picture about the potential in this so what do you do what goes through your mind and then how do you execute and how do you actually get them to give you the funding that you're looking for so it depends on the audience and depends on how much of a resistance they have so first you try so you have different stages of it first you try explaining to them why it is important um give them the analogy everyone understands yeah, like the foundation the house analogy we're talking about right so everyone understands you need to build a foundation for the house to be strong but if some people are like i don't care i just want a prefabricated house just build it on top of something we like yep and we will do something something really so that's then the second stage you build something really quick and build in a way where we get knocked down really quick and you're like see i told you and if we keep doing this it'll keep getting knocked down there's no point in it we have to build so some people have to see it to experience it and you're willing to do that so you do a quick and dirty version of it and some people are like it's okay let's keep it even if it keeps falling down multiple times let's just keep doing it and then for those people who keep saying i don't care how many ever times it falls so and just keep doing that don't worry about the foundation for those people what you have to do is think about a creative different set of problems so then you start thinking about showing them what they showing them other things that other people have built uh, and then they they the reason that they don't appreciate what is happening is because they think all they've seen on the catalog is what they want you take them to a really well built house and say look at this house look at how they like hey, this is what i want why can't you build this and then you show them every single house that that happened what's gone into it and therefore what they're missing out on it's mostly an education piece people just don't have time to understand and appreciate that they like i just build it i don't care it'll eventually work and why, why do you want to keep digging stuff and so once you do that in the process of showing them other houses you also slowly in the background start digging every day and so once they have seen the houses they get to the self realization you also dug enough so you like we didn't waste time while you were looking around for houses we were also digging and now we have done the foundation and therefore we can build it and so that's another way to think about it so mm. there are different phases and different levels of trying to convince people on the journey 
And what do you think here is um, more important, uh, being more assertive and proactive or even provocative about, no, 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 you don't get it. Like, this is what you need. This is what you're missing out on. Or do you prefer, and I understand that it probably depends on the person as well and the situation, but uh, uh, are you more a fan of the long game of being more patient? Because I've seen both in, in very successful people, right? So are you more assertive or patient? What is, what is the right balance here? So I still like to believe people think of data as an extra hurdle uh, and as an extra thing to do. So the more provocative I get, the chances are the less that I can get stuff done. And my style of working is to get people on the journey. And for the journey, you need to play the long game. So maybe they'll say no, no, no. And eventually they're going to say the typical sales model. It's going to be a yes eventually. And so just playing that long game works because the more provocative you are, it might probably work for the first couple of iterations. And I've seen once you really get to the really important part, they're going to say no, because they're like, nope, this is what you seem to do and we don't trust you anymore. But you get them on that first few difficult journeys and then it's a, you built that trust and anything you want to do afterwards, it's much easier sell. And sell is just an upsell, very quite easy. And so that's what I tried to do. With this whole Relationship thing. based. No, that's yeah. that's great. And then what about, uh, I guess, inertia? So what, what you mentioned, second and third. So one, uh, one was simplification and inertia, right, in the business. And the other was basically people uh, uh, being a little bit entrenched into how they do things. Right. So how do you break that? How do you how do you crack that code? Again, it's it, one the same. Uh, I like to think of it as multi, multi uh, stage or multi phase thing. Right? Some people just don't know what they don't know. So you try to talk to them and share stories about what you've done in the past and why it's worked and stuff like that. And some people are willing to do it. But there are people who be very recently like all of that's great. But you come from a different organization and therefore it worked there. We want to. And then you try to bring people who are in similar, same kind of setup, same kind of organizations, but in a different company and get them to come and talk to people. And even if that doesn't work, what happens is then you will have a small cohort of people in your teams who are already doing it. And then they, you, once you see the benefits that they are getting and then try to contrast it with the people who are not doing it, everyone eventually wants it. We are not asking people to do it because we want to trouble them. We are asking people to do it because it will make their lives easier. And so they can only see that if they see their fellow teammates make their lives easier so if you do versioning control if you do things the right way if you build things the right way if you for example whatever readme files and stuff like that comment on code and it makes your life easier not anybody else's life easier and so when people see that they will automatically come on so it just depends on where they are in their mindset and the value of change and so there's going to be a value of despair for a lot of people just pushing them out of that valley of despair to that eventual uh, coming out of that is is probably the tricky part. So it needs a lot of song and dance, needs a lot of kumbaya and storytelling and trying to get people to believe in it. But it happens and it, it is a process. But either people want to come out of that valley of change and on the other side, or they want to get out and say, this is not for me. But either way, at least they get to that realization of where they want to go. That's what's probably what's more important. Okay, so ultimately you're looking to provide value on the way tell the stories, get the right people on board and you're playing that long game for people to see that and they just want to be a part of the party, right? <laughs> so, oh. Okay, so uh, what, is your, um, what is your approach to storytelling? I know it's a, it's a wide question, but let's look at it. Like, for example, when you are talking to people and you're not experiencing immense resistance, right? But you're trying to show them 
what's possible. Uh, what kind of stories do you like to uh, uh, tell? Do you have any particular approach to this? When you identify a person, you maybe want to uh, help them in a particular way, right? So how do you use stories? Do you have any, any tips with regards to using stories to align people in the business and convince them? So my stories are often um, like fables and Zen stories, Kongan stories is what I typically bring in. I have, I know I've read so many Kongan stories. So I have a lot of these stories. So I try to bring the right story for the right time. People, well, I want to, I want, my mindset is the more you talk about a particular problem at hand, the more people are going to get away with the, like this person just, so I just like, forget all of that. Let's just go into the story. We talk about the story and the story goes on for a while. And then they're like, yep, that makes sense. And then exactly the analogy for that story comes in and then people can see, I've seen people realize it. So I'll give you an example, right? So, um, so we had a, in a different world in a different life, I had a bunch of people who were really difficult with even making the smallest of changes. For example, they would not let you make the smallest of um, deviation from how they've decided, how they thought the work should happen. So if you even missed one step of the workflow, they'd like, they lose their minds over it. They're like, this is the way it should be done. You're not doing the right way. And there's a constant friction in the team. So I could go in and talk yada, 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 on and on about how to do it. And I'm like, let's not worry about that. So my story is, and if you have time, I'll tell you that story, mm -hmm. is there are two, two Zen monks, uh, two Buddhist monks. Uh, this is a Zen story. And one was an older monk and one was a younger monk. So the both of them are walking down. And then the they trying to cross the river, the rivers, um, there's been a huge rain a downpour. So the rivers actually become much bigger and flowing ferociously. So before they're about to cross, there's a young woman waiting there. These are celibate monks. So they don't speak to women. They don't touch women. They don't interact with women, um, but they have a moral dilemma. So the older monk says, it's okay. The lady can't cross. So he lifts the lady up and then they cross the river. He, he drops the lady at the other side and then they start walking. The younger monk, is so troubled for almost two hours. He's troubled. He just is so troubled. And then at the end of two hours, he's like, he just couldn't control him. He's like, uh, old monk. I know we are celibate monks. And I know you're really smart, but you touched that lady and now you've done something wrong. How could you do that? So the older monk says, Oh, I dropped the lady off two hours ago. You're still carrying her in your mind. So you need to let it go. So that's the example of, Yes, sometimes you can let you can do stuff and you have to let it go. You cannot always follow the same process. Some people, yes, the mistakes do happen, but you can't keep talking about on and on and on and on and say this this has gone wrong. It's okay. Sometimes mistakes happen and we'd probably do it for the sake of expediency or some such practical reason. And then tying that into that story, then people understand what, what's happening and what that who's the old monk and who's the young monk there. Oh, and so man. trying to explain things in that way is typically myself of trying to explain what, what happened. Oh, that's really cool. And no, I, I really like it. I really like it. And then uh, actually, what is your, so, so when you're a chief data officer and you're already providing value, then things are coming together. Do you have an end game or do, do you have a vision for what you actually want to create in your role and i'm trying to get to that data-driven organization question which you know it's a, it's a very interesting one but uh are you just focusing on the people individual cases and you know see what happens and just do the best job you can or do you have a vision here that you want to achieve in the business so i often say this right, and people think i'm being facetious when i say this my job is to make the entire data function redundant uh, and by that, I mean, everybody should be doing data and the whole organization. It's not just one group of people trying to do it. It's 
we're not saying only one bunch of people use computers and everybody does some of the work everyone uses computers to do work why can't everyone also use data we all use data in our daily lives you decided what to wear today for this you decided whom to invite you decided which bank to all of that are data decisions if we can do that with our lives we can do that with work too so i call it the plus data everybody should be do- doing data in their roles and so when you start doing that the people who have data as a specialization can start focusing on more gnarly tough problems and not on what is the number of customers that joined last week that's not the problem that somebody who's in the space should be solving that person should be solving what can we how can we make the experience so much better for this customer that she will never leave us and not and leave all the other what's happening what should have happened there are all of those problems to people who need to make those decisions so that's the eventual goal for me is make that function redundant to the point where people only solve really important problems and everybody in the organization feels empowered enough to solve their own data problems by themselves so they have the tools for it they have the education for it and they have the access for it so those three things are given to the organization given to everybody in the organization they know how to do it it's all governed properly and the people focus on some really uh, gnarly tough problems so that's that's the eventual vision that i try to do in the organization mm-hmm. and what usually stands in the way of that happening where are the bottlenecks so like like we like we spoke the bottlenecks are typically initial wins are great but the more you want to do it you just sometimes you don't have patience to do that thing again and again because every time you try to do it it's the same thing same story all over again so just being patient with that and trying to get people into buying in that it's not a technical role that mindset that oh it's data thing it should be really technical i don't like math i've never done math i don't that's not true and i keep mm-hmm. telling people it's not about math or stats yes that's the that's the fundamentals of what we do but what you've done today the 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 piece the shirt you're wearing was a data decision joining this job and agreeing to this offer letter was your data decision so you do a lot of data decisions and so if you can use data in your daily life you can use it in your work life and so that's what i try to convince people and so that takes a lot of time for people to get that connect that yeah if i can make all these decisions for me in my personal life why can't i do the same thing in my work life and what is stopping me and then then showing them that there's nothing that stops you here is a tool you can use it you don't have to know how to write code here is the education this is how you interpret it and here is the access you don't have to worry that everybody can see everything we have we make sure we take care of all of that stuff just go and do what you need to do just mm. trying to push them into that is probably going to be a challenge and it's again some people were willingly coming into it some people are like just give it to me and i'll go with it and some people are going to be really hesitant even if you make it so available they're going to be like no no not for me this is not my job so just trying to convince them is going to be the challenge mm. and w- what do you think about now the you know the industry trends in general that w- what i'm asking here is that uh, you know we've been around for basically almost 10 years now and data has a lot of hype in it you know there are always something it was big data first and then artificial intelligence so there's a lot of buzz and hype but we see that the challenges usually are the same in large organizations exactly the kind of stuff that we're talking about right but how do you view the industry today so what do you think changed in the past 10 years and where do you see the greatest opportunities in the next 10 years in the uh, in, in the data world so what's changed definitely in the last 10 years is a lot of commoditization of all the technologies that we have so i remember exactly 10 years ago 2011 we were trying to fight to get or was it 2013 something trying to get apache a spark cluster up and running and trying to make sure the cluster doesn't fail and 
not knowing like 100 other things around it and you need to know every single aspect of it for it to run a simple query at scale now i can just go to for example a big query or a snowflake or natina just dump whatever i want and query it in like less than 15 minutes so a lot of these complex technologies have become commoditized be it database technologies or machine learning technologies all of this have become commoditized which means uh, people who were very priced for being able to build these technologies are now not being will not be priced as much anymore and they can clearly see that people are being priced to the people who know what to do with these technologies so that's what's happening now so that's the slow evolution and i'm so so really hope in the next 10 years even that is not priced it's not about what to do with these technologies it's about trying to go much beyond it and everybody in the business knows what to do with these technologies anybody will know it's almost like a service everybody knows how to use excel now you don't need really need to be an accountant to know how to use excel right mm-hmm. you can use excel you can do whatever you want of course you will not use excel to the level of maybe an excel wizard but you know what to do with it if there was nobody around you you can still get it done so that's the level we want everyone to come with all the data technologies to and then we want to push people to the edges to start solving for problems that are currently thought of as really ambitious so what i think some people are already doing in the ai world like driving cars or trying to solve for some really gnarly problems trying to solve for very tough problems is what that space needs to evolve to uh, hopefully in the next 10 years some things that only human beings can do is what i strongly believe and leave computers to do what computers can do and human beings to do what human beings can do if we can evolve to that space that's where we'll be pushing the boundaries right now we're still playing in the box and some people know that we can push the boundaries already and some people don't know so it's just like kind of a muddle i think in the next 5 years it'll all clear down and sediment down where everyone can clearly see that all of this is just boring hype we can all get it done in like two days time it's not a multi million dollar transformation project we let's do the next thing and so that's eventually where i think we'll evolve Hmm. And then, uh, so what I'm hearing from you is that right now it's actually about, and I, I just like to kind of connect these usual terms that float around, like data leaders and data-driven culture. So, would you say that that that's still where the biggest gap is? Because we now have the technologies; if it's also being co- uh, commoditized and commercialized, right? So now we have all this available, but people people are not really adopting that in their everyday work. So. uh would you say that data literacy and data driven culture then are the most important things that should be dealt with first and that would open up a bunch of other, other opportunities as well yeah so getting everybody in the organization to buy in and believe that they, they can do their own most of their own data stuff uh is probably the first step that i typically would recommend uh for the organization so if the organization believes in it and then that automatically creates a virtuous cycle of yes we can do what we want more and so you're going to be building more so it's good for the data teams it's good for the organization good for the customer so yes that's the right first step i would definitely recommend and whose responsibility is that by the way so do you think is the chief data officer's responsibility should be something more decentralized uh, who should lead this initiative if you want to make it happen yeah. so in my view it's a pretty much a combination of the people and culture um and the operations per people and all of them wanting to change the organization and then the data people can then deliver it so the how one the why and the what needs to happen from someone else and the how is the data people so it's a three stage process right somebody has to convince the business why we should do it it could be the ceo 
be somebody and some other senior leader saying this is who we are going to be we need to change ourselves if that doesn't come from at that level and there is no why nobody's going to do it then what all needs to happen needs to come from business leaders who are like okay in my area we need better marketing decision making in my area i need better operation in my area i need better commercial so they need to do the what and then we can deliver the how okay we'll deliver that through dashboarding training we'll deliver that through better tools we'll deliver so that why what and how needs to happen and then the chief data officer or anybody who runs data function only owns the how the why and what is still owned by the executives and the board is how i think about it and if you play like that as a team you're not just trying to fight a lone battle and trying to convince everyone that's never going to win because it's just somebody is like oh that person just really too passionate about data he'll just keep talking about it from that to no we all need to do it and he or she's trying to help us with it so let's just do it. so that's a totally different mindset mm-hmm. uh, do you believe in maybe planting seeds like across the business uh because like for example you know this what you just told me because you understand data you worked in multiple organizations you're in the data world you understand the techno- the technology part of it but maybe other business leaders they might have the need but they might not see these connections so how proactive and this is one of my last questions because uh i also uh, w- want to be able to let you go but um uh, basically in this case how proactive do you think a data leader should be in terms of planting seeds and then turning each head in the right direction to look in that same direction and kind of summon that that need and desire in the business yeah so two things right so data leaders first need to I I talked to a lot of my peers right a lot of them are still focused on delivering technology capability not business capability or not eventual outcomes and that needs to change if you're only worried about delivering technology capability you're only going to build the fastest database the smartest algorithm the best looking dashboard nobody wants that's not going to deliver anything so that that mindset needs to change first once that changes then you can st- if you have if you're if you're bought into the vision of the company and whatever the company wants to do then you can try to start seeding in and saying you know this is the vision of the company is what the ceo keeps talking about every day and she's what she keeps telling us every day to help this we here we built something which looks really cool do you want more of it the freemium model works so well because they can see it they can touch it they can't use it and for them to use it they have to pay more or invest more and that's typically what we try to do and you can always find supporters for data journeys in the organization not everyone's going to say yes we want to do it there will only be two three champions try to work do stuff for them they will then be your champions they will quote everyone else and try to make it successful but to do all of that the data person has to change the data leader and the data teams have to change from we're delivering the coolest capability to we're delivering the coolest outcome so it's an outcome driven approach not an output driven approach and i think that was probably what will definitely need to change Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. This was super informative. I enjoyed it immensely. Do you have any final recommendations, tips for uh, your peer data leaders? What what is maybe one thing that they should, you know, really focus on in order to uh, uh, make some real impact in their businesses? Do you have a top tip? So mine our top tip is outcomes not output. Focus on the outcomes and not the output. And outcomes I mean not by outcomes i mean the business outcomes focus on the outcome what will happen from it not what will be delivered on the back of it so fantastic well thank you very much shira this uh this was one of my favorites and uh our audience will enjoy it as well well we hope to have you back on the show someday and uh also uh we will follow up with you and maybe uh, uh get you to share one like specific data story as well in the in the future maybe on one of the future episodes sure thing 
Thanks very much. Sir. Take care.